Good evening, I'm Aiden. This is Natural News at 7-ish. Thank you once again for welcoming us into your day. Up top, a love story. Does your dog sniff shit? Like the fecal matter kind? Does it seem like it may help lead to romance? It shouldn't, though it does for Tasmanian devils. Some researchers from Zoo's Victoria Detector Dog Unit are finding out. Adopted at 14 months, Moss the Golden Labrador is now learning the foundations of being a detector dog with his handler, Latoya. The Hellsville Sanctuary breed Tasmanian devils, which helps ensure Tasmanian devils live on following the 80% decline in wild populations due to that damn scary facial tumor disease. Tasmanian devils are shy and nocturnal critters, not terribly fond of human interaction. It is important with wildlife to maintain to the best of ability a hands-off approach in order to maintain wild and natural behaviors, which is where smelling fecal matter comes in. Moss is being trained to smell the scats of Tassie devils and find those of a female ready to mate. The devils leave scats at communal latrine sites and use scent for communication. Male devils can smell this scat and know when a female is in a receptive state. Moss will be letting his handlers know so they can introduce the males to the females at that optimal time. And, if Moss is able to smell the scats to tell if the females are receptive, and maybe uh, you'd be able to tell if a stork is flying in some Tassie devil pups. You can identify the hormones produced from the scats, and the devil's carers can then increase the food to support her lactation, whilst keeping a comfortable distance. The future of detector dogs can extend into the field and act as a powerful intermediary between human folks and wild creatures. So, here's to the power of sniffing shit and Moss the Labrador. Let's keep this topic rolling and talk a little about methane. Methane is a simple gas, a hydrocarbon, which can be imagined simply as four hydrogen atoms playing pile on one carbon atom. It can be satellite, you uh, may have heard about elephant dung being used as fuel, and in methane's spare time it is a powerful natural greenhouse gas. It's thought to be up 150% since the Industrial Revolution, and the production of methane is in the act of decomposition. This may be in cows jumping grass in and out of their multiple ruminant stomachs, or in the processes of wetlands and forests. Methane even gets trapped under frozen lakes, and then you can set it on fire. Google it. It happens. Aquatic ecosystems have recently been found to contribute 50% of the global methane emissions. So, it may surprise you to know that methane also exists in those goody two-shoe trees that breathe in carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen. The so-called lungs of our planet are responsible for a powerful greenhouse gas. Who would have thought? Given the funky, friendly name of treethane, the natural occurrence of methane in cottonwood trees was discovered in 1907. With the big push to defame the burps bacteria that lead to methane, if this occurrence does surprise you, don't be alarmed. Methane is a naturally occurring gas. It is just that humans have created expansions which have increased this occurrence. Since the now aptly named treethane was discovered, it had been largely overlooked. Recent studies have found to be a large part of the global methane emissions and in climate-related mangrove dieback, sadly occurring in the Gulf of Carpentaria, the dead mangroves were found to be emitting eight times more methane than the thankfully still alive counterparts. Looking into the source of treethane, wetland forests were found to be a large contributor. It is thought, though, to be emitted from the underlying soils. Methane is also thought to travel up the tree through the roots, stems, and then being released out of the bark. Dry forests are also found to emit methane, though the rates are much less. In a paper published in Nature Communications, a team of Australian researchers found methane oxidizing bacteria in the paperback tree. The bacteria responsible comprises 25% of the microbial community, and the back 
bacteria consumes around 36% of the tree's methane. As treethane becomes recognised and considered in the global methane emission budget, and with an estimated of 3.04 trillion trees, the finding of methane oxidising or consuming bacteria may play a critical part in the future of understanding methane, and in our future. Now, a segment just in case you've ever wondered how opals are formed. In Australia, opals are found in layers of mudstones and sandstones formed in the Cretaceous period. Just think about before dinosaurs, the period of dinosaurs, then think about no dinosaurs. That's within the Cretaceous. It's from 145 million years ago to 65 million years ago. The weathering of these sedimentary rocks weathered away and released silica into the groundwater with a high level of acidity. Squeezed into small faults and joints in the rocks, essentially movement cracks, and formed pathways for the groundwater to move on down. The silica carrying water became trapped between sedimentary sandstone or mudstone and hardened into a gel which forms opals. You may be thinking, but Aiden, why are opals generally only found in the red centre? There's sandstone and mudstone where I live too. Give me, give me my opals. Well, give me a moment to explain. Between around 197 million years ago, 60% of Australia was covered by a vast sea, from Cooper Pedy in South Australia and up to the Gulf of Carpentaria again in the Northern Territory. The sea receded, and the drying out of the Australian centre is what increased the levels of acidity. Is also why opals form into shallow depth. As weathering continued, the level of acidity rose to the level where opals can be formed in the silica-rich gel that got stuck in those pesky faults and joints. The intrinsic microstructures of the opal diffract white light into all the colours of the light spectrum. Oh, how pretty they are. Now, give it up for your second favourite news segment. Name that bird sound. Yep. This songbird is found all around Australia, except where the types of environments you find opals are. Any ideas? If you want to know, tune in next week to find out. Well, that's it, and that's that. Thank you as always for allowing us into your day. Hope you enjoyed this week's Dose of Natural News. Tell a friend if you want to. We would really appreciate that. Until next time, stay safe, smile, and remember to spread the good word. Good night.